Happy 2020. I want to say thank you for joining us today to listen to our messages online. I'm Kevin, the lead pastor here at Thrive, and you've joined us in a series studying the character named Nehemiah. And we're looking at this. How do you rebuild the walls of your life? Because all of us this year are looking for areas that we want to rebuild. So I hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you haven't, download our app. You can get all of our content there. And make sure to visit www.thrivechurch.me for any messages and any other information about our church. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, Thrive Church. How are we doing this morning? That's right. We're barely awake. I love it. This is beautiful. We have ca- we'll have coffee in the cafe afterwards. Listen, before we jump into the message, I've got a confession that I need to share with you. Um, it says in James that when you confess to one another, there is healing. So my hope is that there is some healing that will happen in my life this morning. Um, I am not a handyman. I am not a craftsman. If you go into my storage shed behind my house, you will find um, dirt. You will find a lawnmower that needs better proper maintenance. Um, If you look closely at some of the photos and frames that are hung around the house, you will be able to tell which ones I did and which ones my wife did. Shocker, mine are the ones that are not level, and mine are the ones that kind of everybody looks like they're doing this. Now, I have to tell you that so I can tell you this next piece of information, because if, you, if I tell you this without that, you'll, you won't really get it. And the weight of this information. You see, I remember a number of years ago when I first came here to Thrive, and I was putting together, I had the task of assembling a Rubbermaid storage cabinet that would be used in the cafe area. And I'm going to be honest with you, I kind of was pretty proud of myself because I was like, you can do this, Keith. You, You can put together, you can assemble this. So then I went and bought it, got it here, unloaded it, and I realized that I had to put it together. I don't mean like just kind of put it together, like snap stuff. I mean, actually assemble this bad boy. And the box was only here and it was supposed to be six foot tall. And the second I see this and I realize this, I say, oh, no. But then I think to myself, you know, Keith, you're okay. You're sucking yourself out. It's just plastic. I mean, if anything else, you can just duct tape it together. You're all right. So then I unbox it, put all little pieces, little pieces out. And thankfully... There was this one thing that was still in the box that if it were not for this one thing, I would have had to just duct tape it together and just say, I don't know, a tornado hit it. The instructions. When I saw the instructions, I got excited. You know why? Because I'm a very detailed-oriented person. I love routine. I like procedure. And it said, step one, take piece A, Connect to piece B. So then I look at the diagram, I'm like, A, B. And next thing you know, in 30 minutes, I had a storage cabinet. And I'm going to tell you, if it were not for the instructions, we would have not had a cabinet. And I'll be honest with you, even with the instructions, the, as I began to notice, as I walked up to it, something was a little off. I actually put the handles on upside down. Um, so then I had to, in my greatness, had to kind of, completely reduced. So even with instructions, I kind of still messed it up, but I made it better. So you're maybe wondering, Keith, that is great. That's really stupid of you to tell me that. Why are you telling me that? Because we are wrapping up our series rebuild. And I had to tell you, I'm not good at building. 
But as we're going to look today, as we look in Nehemiah chapter 8, feel free if you've got your copy of God's Word, you can turn there with me. As we look at this, we're going to see what in the world this has to do with me barely being able to build a storage cabinet. And again, I said all this so that later when you come up to me and ask me, hey, do you know someone that can build something? I'm going to say, nope, because I know nothing about it. I don't know no one that can. Google, Google, Google is the way to go. So as right before we jump into this, let me give a quick recap of kind of where we're at in the life of Nehemiah. So what we have going on is the people of Jerusalem, the Jews, they have been at the beginning of this chapter, they've been taken into captivity by the Babylonians. They've been taken, whoop, into captivity. And they were in captivity for roughly around 70 years. But while they were under the care, and I say that with um, quotation marks, it really wasn't care, it was very hateful. The Persian Empire came in and basically Persia. And you come with this guy named Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah worked for the king, King Artaxerxes of Persia. And kind of prior to this, you have a guy named Ezra and Zerubbabel, and they had gone back to Jerusalem, and they'd rebuilt the temple. Because what happened when the, when the exile took place by Babylonians, they had come and they had destroyed the walls, they had burned the gates, they had destroyed the temple of Solomon where they would worship. So these two individuals with a group of, a small group of people, they went back and rebuilt the temple. Because what had happened is, is because once the city was taken into captivity, it became their property. So Jerusalem pretty much was oversaw, oversaw and it's not even a word, overseen by Persia. So they go back, they rebuild the temple, and then we have Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, he wanted to go see what was going on. He wanted to go check out his hometown. He wanted to go see, he's like me, I go back to my hometown because I want to see what's changed. And typically nothing's changed until I found out they're putting a Popeye's in Clinton, North Carolina. You want to know how many people are excited about that? Not many in Clinton, North Carolina. They were praying for a Chick-fil-A and they, they, they didn't get it. I like Popeye's. Now, listen. Let me get back to what really matters, which is Nehemiah. So he goes back to see if they built a Popeye's or a Chick-fil-A in Jerusalem. But when he's there, he realizes, again, the walls have been destroyed. The gates have been burned, and it broke him. Because, you see, for them, a wall around the city was security. It meant protection. It meant something you could be proud of. Nobody could sneak in and mess stuff up. But because the walls and the gates had been destroyed, there was no holds bar. So he goes back, and he's talking with the king, and in their culture, in their day and time, when you were talking to the king, to royalty, you're supposed to act like everything is fine, everything's perfect, you have no problem in the world. However, Nehemiah didn't, and the king noticed this. They, they had a conversation, they talked. Again, if you've been here for the last few weeks, you can listen back and hear all the good stuff. So the king gave him permission, pretty much gave, made him governor of Jerusalem, sent him back with people, authority, resources to rebuild the walls. So as we come into chapter 8, here's where we're at. The walls have been rebuilt. The temple is rebuilt. And they are ready to worship. And what we're looking at is Ezra, he begins to read what they call the law, the Torah. Their law that they were supposed to be living by. But again, they've been in captivity for 70 years. They've been away from this for 70 years. So a lot of them, they don't even know what in the world they're even talking about. When they say, what is the law? I've been living in Persia for the last couple of decades. I don't understand. So what they're doing is they're going to be reading from the Torah. So let's read together. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 13. Verse 13. On October the 9th, you didn't know it was October then, did you? Researchers have shown that it was around, that was the month and time of year. October the 9th, this is around 445 B.C. It says, the family leaders of all the people, 
together with the priests, the Levites, met with Ezra the scribe to go over the law in greater detail. As they studied the law, they discovered that the Lord had commanded through Moses that the Israelites should live in shelters during the festival to be held that month, which again, October. So here's what they're realizing. They're reading this, and they're like, oh, no. What we're reading is not what we're living. There's mismatch. We need to, we need to figure this out because this is what we're supposed to be doing, and we're not doing it. So let's rectify the situation. So let's keep going. Verse 15. He had said that a proclamation should be made throughout their towns and in Jerusalem, telling the people to go to the hills to get branches of olive, wild olive, which means olive trees that do this, they get wild. Sorry. Myrtle, palm, and other leafy trees. They were used to these branches, they were to use these branches to make shelters in which they would live during the festival as prescribed in the law. Again, they're reading the law, they're realizing they're missing it, they want to get right. Verse 16. So the people went out and cut branches and used them to build shelters on the roofs of their houses, in their courtyards, in the courtyards of God's temple, or in the squares just inside the water gate and the Ephraim gate. So everyone who had returned from captivity lived in these shelters during the festival, and they were all filled with great joy. The Israelites had not celebrated like this since the days of Joshua, son of Nun. They had not partied like this since 1999. Ezra read from the book of the law of God on each of the seven days of the festival. Then on the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly as was required by law. Their walls had been rebuilt. The temple was rebuilt. They were able to go back and kind of get back to their norm. Get back to what God was calling them to do. Get back to and what was happening is God was fulfilling a promise that he had made to Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29 11, one that some of you may have on a pillow or a coffee mug or you quote it all the time. I don't know if you knew this, but this promise was not meant for you. It's great. It's a great principle because it's not that it's not true. It's just not for you and for me. It's for these individuals. They had a plan for them, a plan to prosper, not to harm them, a plan for good, not for evil. It was happening. So they get together, and again, they're openly, they're reading from the Torah. They're reading from the law. They're realizing on October the 9th, they're supposed to be in the middle of this festival, and they're not in the middle of this festival. So they, all right, let's go cut down some branches. Let's make some shelters. Let's party like it's 1999. We're going to celebrate. They read, and they act. And what we're going to look at today, and again, is we are rebuilding the walls of our lives. We've talked about the first week that if you want to rebuild the walls in your life, you have to confront reality with, with brutality. You have to be brutally honest. Nehemiah was brutally honest. The walls are destroyed. They need to be rebuilt. And then the next week, you heard Pastor Kevin talk about how we cannot rebuild alone. We're called to do this with other people. We're called to share life with each other. And then last week, you heard us talk about opposition, that it will happen. We will face opposition. And what in the world are we supposed to do when it takes place? So today, here's what I want you to write down. This is the big idea. This is what you write in your notes, you tweet, you send to someone through a carrier pigeon, whatever you want to call it. If you want to rebuild the walls of your life, Rebuilding the walls of our life means renegotiating our relationship with the world. If you want to rebuild the walls of your life, it means you're going to have to renegotiate your we live in our culture is we want God to adapt to us. We want to do our own thing because we want to say what's good, what's bad. We'll make our own thing up and just assume God is going to come alongside of us and just bless us and sprinkle us with sprinkles of blessing. When as followers of Christ, that's not what we're called to do. God is making us into his image. God is molding us. He is shaping us. He is guiding us. It's not the other way around. 
So as we read this, as we look at the life of Nehemiah, and we look at the life of the Israelites, ultimately we have to come to a decision. And we have to come to the choices whether or not we're going to do like them and we're going to renegotiate some things. Are we going to renegotiate the way we live? Are we going to renegotiate the way we think? Are we going to renegotiate our habits and our routine to where they will mimic and they will mirror what God wants for us? Because, see, the truth is you and I, we have a relationship with everything. You have a relationship with your phone. That's right. And some of you, you need to, you need to quit Facebook for a week. You just need to get off of it. You need to cut that off. We all have a relationship with food. I love me some brownies. I was on Facebook the other night talking about my love for brownies. And mm, let me tell you something. I can't say no to a hot, fresh brownie. We have a relationship with our money. We have a relationship with the people in our lives. And the list continues. This is endless. You and I, we have a relationship with everyone and everything that we come into contact with. It's filtered through something in our brain. And typically, this filter is something we've kind of built over time because of past experiences or maybe the way that we were raised. But what we have to do is we have to stop that, and we have to filter it through what God has to say about it. We have to filter it through what he desires for us, not just what we want. Because ultimately, by default, you and I, we are very selfish individuals. We do what we want. We do what we can so that we can get what we want. Some of you, you wanted to sleep. So what did you do this morning? Like me, you hit snooze just a few times too many, and you woke up a little panicked because you woke up a little late. And if you're like, I didn't do that, it's okay, you do that tomorrow when you're trying to go to work. The list is endless of what we come into contact with. You see, when I made the decision to follow Christ, I had to renegotiate some things. I had to renegotiate the music that I listened to. I had to renegotiate the movies that I would watch. I had to renegotiate the friends and people that I had surrounded myself with. I had to renegotiate everything. And here's the thing, here's the kicker. This is a something that happens for the rest of our lives. It wasn't like a one and done thing. You're not gonna leave here, have a list of things you're gonna renegotiate, handle business, and then carry on with your life. No, I'm still trying to figure out what is the right thing for me to do in this situation, in this season, that's going to help God lead me more effectively. What am I putting inside of me, whether that be, again, a people, music, movies, that's hindering God leading me and guiding me? Now, here's not what, I, here's not what I'm saying. What I'm not saying is you need to get in your car, you need to take all your, well, now there are no CDs, you need to delete half of your playlist on your phone, but maybe you have to. Because, see, this is not something that you have to do this, you have to do that. Listen, God is going to lead you. As you go and you renegotiate these areas of your life, guess what? God is with you, God is for you, and he will help you. Why? Because the ultimate goal is not so that we're good. The ultimate goal is that we are holy. The ultimate goal is that we are living a life that's fulfilling what God wants for us. That we are living a life that God is using us to make an impact where we live, where we work, where we play. That when people see us, when they meet us, when they experience who we are as a person, they're not just meeting Keith, they're meeting Christ. They're experiencing his love. They're experiencing his grace, his acceptance. When I correspond to someone with email, they're not getting jerk Keith because I want to send a jerk email. Oh, no, i got to stop. I need to reread this bad boy. I need to delete half of it and then say, okay, what would Jesus say? How would Jesus say it to where it would be truth and love, not just truth because then I'm not going to tell you nothing, but not just love because, again, I can be a jerk. What are we going to renegotiate? How are you and me? And then here's, the, here's kind of the real question that you and I have to wrestle with. What's our, 
What's the common denominator? How do we figure out what we are supposed to do? Because the truth is, if you follow Christ, you and I, we are not our own. The Apostle Paul, he wrote to the Corinth church uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He says that you are not your own, but you were bought at a price. That price was the death of Jesus. You see, before you make the decision to follow Jesus, you call the shots. You are the Lord of your life. You determine what's right and what's wrong. But the moment we make the decision to follow him, it's not about me. It's not about what I want. Because I am not my own. I am not the Lord of my life. He is. This is what Jesus, he prayed this in front of his disciples. This was the night before he was be handed over, the night before he would go to the cross. It's John chapter 17, verse 13 through 18. Now I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. There's this classic term that was birthed in John chapter 3 with a conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus of being born again. When you and I, when we decide to follow Jesus, we are born again. It's a second birth. It's brand new. We are a new creation, as it also says in the New Testament. And when that happens, we have to change things. The way we look now should be different in a way than the way we looked and acted and reacted a year ago. Why? Because God is constantly molding us and shaping us. We have this dual citizenship because once we decide to follow Jesus, earth is no longer our home in Scripture. And Paul said to his Roman listeners to, to do not conform to this world. Do not give in. Do not allow the peer pressure and what culture is telling us to do. Don't give in. So here's the next step. This is what you and I, this is what we have to do. If we're going to renegotiate our relationship with the world, what does that look like? is we need to, uh, and this is the next step, is to rebuild even stronger, renegotiate according to Scripture. Renegotiate according to Scripture. And here's why. I'm going to be honest with you. Because if we renegotiate according to anything else, what it will come back to is just what I think, feel, and believe. Scripture is perfect. It is solid. This is what Jesus said about building strong. This is Matthew chapter 7. Verses 24 through 27, it says, Anyone who listens to my teaching, this is Jesus, not me, this is Jesus, and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. What area of your life do you need to renegotiate? Because I've been talking and I, I'm sure you've been thinking and hopefully you've not been ignoring. And I believe that God is speaking to every single one of us. That there's at least one area of our life that we need to approach differently. We need to renegotiate according to scripture. Not according to what someone on TV said. 
not according to what our friends and family think. Maybe we need to renegotiate how we approach and treat anger. What does the Bible say about anger? Do you need to renegotiate your relationship with your spouse? Do you need to renegotiate your relationship with your children? Do you need to renegotiate the way you treat your boss behind their back? What area do you need to renegotiate? Because guess what? Thankfully, Scripture will show you. It will help you. It will guide you. And God is speaking to you through it. This is what Paul, he wrote to his mentor, Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. I love this. And to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. That is such a mean thing to say, Paul. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do and what is right. And this is the best part. Why? Why, why, why? Why does it matter what Scripture says? Because God uses it to prepare and equip his people for every good work. Why is Scripture important? Because God is going to use the power and the message of the gospel of Scripture, not just to shape you so you live a life that is pleasing to him, but so you can be used, so you can be equipped and prepared to go and accomplish his purpose in and through you. This, to me, is why I love Scripture. Because I'll be honest with you, there are times people, my wife just asked me the other day, because again, typically on Sundays, I'm, I'm serving, I'm running, I'm doing, I'm like a phantom moving around, making sure everything's happening here at the trustful location. She asked me, Keith, what is, what is your Sunday? What is your time? And I got to explain to my wife, guess what? My growth period, I get to listen to the sermon about half the time, just like everyone else. Some of you have only listened to half this message anyways. But for me, it's Monday through Saturday. It's when I listen to scripture. That's one of my, uh, kind of, I guess, it's not a New Year's resolution. It's a thing I'm doing with a couple of friends. We're going through the Bible. But me, I listen to it. Why? Keith, why do you listen to it? There's power in reading. You're absolutely right. And I read too. But man, I, there's no way I can do this. So I read. I listen. I have the YouVersion Bible app. And when I go somewhere, on my way to the gym each morning, on my way from the gym, on my way to meetings, I'm listening to this really nice voiced individual dramatically reading the Bible. Why? Because I need scripture. I don't need another podcast. I don't need another sermon from someone else. I don't need to listen to the radio and hear the gossip and the chaos that's happening. I need scripture. And this is why. This is what it says in Psalm chapter 1. And this is, may not be, you won't see it, may not see it on the screen. So I want you to listen to this because this, this is what happens when you allow scripture into your life. Verse one through three of chapter one. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Some of the most incredible plants that I've seen in my life, I love hiking, I like being outside, are those that are planted by a stream, by a river, because their source of life is not dictated by the cycle of rain, like the trees we have in our area. And whether it's raining or not, they are getting continual resources called photosynthesis. 
because they need water to survive and grow and bear fruit. And when we live in Scripture, when we renegotiate our lives according to Scripture, we are like a tree planted by water, producing fruit in every season. It says they delight in the law of the Lord. They delight in God's word. It says they meditate on it. To meditate is like to muse, to think deeply on. It's the opposite of amuse. Amuse is meant to keep you from thinking. It's just to be like this mindless action. An example of amuse is like amusement, watching your silly cat videos that we all love on YouTube. That is to help us disengage, but meditate. When we want to live a life that God wants us to live, when we want to rebuild the walls of our life, Listen, you can be brutally honest like we talked about the first one. You can have all the people rallying behind you, encouraging you, motivating you. You can overcome the opposition. But guess what? If you want to build strong, if you want to build walls that, as it says in Nehemiah, that if, if a fox jumps on your wall, it's not going to fall down, you have to do it according to Scripture. As Jesus was saying, if you want to build strong, you have to build it on his teaching. It's like building your house on a rock. If not, you're foolish. You're building your house on sand. So how do we do this? How do we renegotiate according to Scripture? We have to learn God's perspective on the issue versus the cultural perspective. We have to learn what God's perspective is. Because you and I, we have, we have all this, this information coming at us, and especially in this day and time. If I want to know something, I could just Google it. Google is incredible, but Google can be dangerous because people can post whatever they want to. How do you, see, again, I had to renegotiate my viewpoint on everything when I made my decision to follow Jesus. Because you see, a, a, a new age, non-Christ follower, they're gonna, I, I think, I feel and believe. Well, what's your thoughts on this? Well, I think, I feel and believe. And what happens is we put ourselves in this cycle of compromise and destruction because we think, feel and believe based off what we think, feel and believe in that moment. In six months, I don't know what I'm going to think, feel, and believe. One well, one year, what do you think? I have no idea. Listen, here's the great thing about Scripture. It will impact us. It will transform us. And it is a solid foundation. When we build our think, feel, and believes on what culture is saying, it is like building on sinking sand. And if something's going to change, the next, oh, no, no, actually, I don't think that anymore. It's, it's incredible to see, for me, my viewpoint over time has changed on different areas, different situations, different topics. And you know what's changed it? Not Keith. Keith has pretty much stayed the same. It's what Scripture says. And I'm going to be real with you. There are going to be moments where you're going to wrestle with this. There are certain viewpoints that I want to hold that I can't hold because of what Scripture says. I feel this way, but this is what God says. And what God says has to go above and beyond what I think, feel, and believe. It is not my preference. I am not my own. I was bought at a price. So what I think, feel, and believe personally, it does not matter anymore. Why? Because God's ways are higher than my ways. He knows more. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. And I'm going to choose to trust him, my creator, instead of my finite capability to somehow try to comprehend things. You and I, if we are going to build strong, we have to renegotiate according to Scripture. I'm going to be honest with you. Earlier, when I talked about that storage cabinet, I did not tell you the whole story. <laughs> Let me tell you what really happened. I opened this box up. 
I laid out all the pieces and I acted like it was a puzzle. I saw this picture on the front. I'm like, you know, I can do that, man. I don't even know instructions. And let me tell you, I tried to build this thing and it was bad. It was, not, it was, it was nothing like the picture. Eventually, I had to give in and go by the instructions if I want to get this thing done. And let me tell you, it took me longer because of that because I had to undo things. Listen, guys, some of you, you are building your life the same way I was trying to build that storage cabinet. You're trying to do it on your own. You're trying to do it on your own willpower, your own strength, your own ability. And I, let me tell you what I want to say. I wish, I wish it were enough. I wish it were enough because then we could pat ourselves on the back. I wish it were enough because then we could stand proud. Look what I did. But here's the truth. We're not. We're not strong enough. We're not smart enough. We're not okay enough. And that's okay. The hardest part of following Jesus is following Jesus. It's allowing him to be the Lord of your life. So here's what I want to do today. You and I, we have a choice to make. From now on through the rest of 2020 and the rest of our lives, we're going to have to continue to renegotiate. As we go into new seasons, as we never, listen guys, America looks completely different than it did 10 years ago. But the one thing that's not changed is God's word. And in 20 years, America's going to look completely different than it does now. But guess what? Not God's word. And because, again, if we will renegotiate our lives according to his word and not what I personally think, feel, and believe, we can build strong. So what we're going to do, I want to give you the opportunity today is to make that decision to figure out where do you need to renegotiate? What in your life? What is one area? You may have a Rolodex and do, 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 all these things. Man, I got to do this, this, this. Pick one thing. Allow God to work in your life. Allow him to lead you. Allow him to guide you because he will. Again, the hardest thing to do in following Jesus is actually releasing control and following him. And maybe today you've walked in here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've been trying to, like me with the storage cabinet, trying to build your life based off of some picture that you've seen on Instagram, something you've seen on TV, something you heard about, something you were raised with. Listen, I want to encourage you because God wants you to build a life that is secure, one that is cared for because he loves you. He loves you enough that he obeyed his father and he came to heaven and he died for you. He didn't come just to give good teaching. He didn't come just to perform miracles. He came so that he would be put to death, so he would be tortured, so that he would be known. No, so that he could come back to life three days later, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And in that finished work, we can have salvation. He finished it for us. We couldn't do it ourselves. He, he, he was our instructions. Through him, we have salvation. Through him and him alone, we have forgiveness of sins. Through him, we are not our own. Through him, we have eternal life in heaven after we leave this temporary place called earth. So today, here's what we're gonna do. I wanna pray for you guys. I'm gonna pray for all of us that if you follow Jesus, you're gonna have an opportunity to make that decision today. And let me be honest with you, this is the most important step you'll ever take and ever make for the rest of this year. I know that is a bold statement and I don't care. It is. So we're gonna pray together. And then we leave here, we're gonna leave here transformed by the power of God's word and not someone's perspective. Let's pray together.